to say the clock's broke. And CJ said, Dad, please take your phone up there. I forgot, son. So Paul, Drew, and Bill's not here. I can mess with Bill, but he's not here. So now I will absolutely tune in vertically. And in fact, for this message, precious saints, I, I kept praying, Lord, please, please, hopefully the saints and those who don't know Jesus can really pick up on what I'm trying to convey. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, Son, I want this more than you do. And I'm more capable of being able to pass because this is about the person and the man named Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's whole job, his counsel, is mainly to point to Jesus so that we would be drawn to him. So, Lord, we now pray, um, present our body, our soul, our spirit, man, to you. We thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for the people here today, both saints and those who don't know you, that they would have ears to hear and hearts to hear, and that maybe, maybe we can gain something today out of this as we leave this place to apply to our walk and our life with you. Thank you for the opportunity, Papa, in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, saints, um, the first thing I want to say to you is Christianity, in its essence, is not a religion. Christianity, in its essence, is not a religion per se, but is absolutely a relationship with a person. Not just any person, but the person of Jesus. And some of you say, well, we know that. It's been there for years. But my hope is, here's what I want to, the title is, Who is this man? And then the subtitle is Pursuing Relational Christianity. Because there's so many times we can get caught up with things about religion or Christianity, but we don't get caught up with Him. And I'm telling you, this has got to be the anchor of your life. He has got to be the anchor of your life. I was thinking about this. Now, we normally call this the... That's good. But it's also called a book. Correct? Words. Correct? History, revelation, principles. But you know what it's really called? The autobiography of a person. This is really the autobiography of a person. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be critical, but I really have to convey this because I've been doing this for years, been around a lot of people that do a mental ascent in their left brain regarding this, but they never get the opportunity to be in relationship and love with Jesus. It's kind of line upon line, precept upon precept. Well, why? I mean, pursuing relational Christianity, what is the benefit of this? Because it's going to be hope, more hopeful, experience more light, and security. Anybody in here like to have security? In this light, this, this world is going wacko. I mean, I don't know about you, but I need to be on solid ground. And so my heart is that this would be a benefit. Please, this message is a recommendation. I don't want you to get any condemnation that you're a a mini-Christian or anything like this. I am recommending to you that you're going to pursue Jesus in a way that you might never have pursued before. 
And I'm going to share with you why and how we go about this. The first thing I want to say to you is that we're going to talk about faith that develops trust. What's the difference? Is there a difference between faith and trust? And absolutely, and I'm going to unwrap this for you because the difference is relational. There's a relational component between faith and trust. So the first thing we're going to look at is faith. Let's talk a minute about faith. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3. Very, very important. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How many of us know that? Whoa, we can quote that. It's for by, it is the assurance of things hoped for. I use the word hope. And the conviction in your heart of things not seen. It's not hard to have faith to say that there's a building sitting here. But faith has a component that we, it's not reality yet to us. And yet we get to walk in it. Now, I want you to drop down to verse 6 on that paper, please. Watch this. And without faith, it is what? To please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. This message today is going to be about seeking Him at a new level. Saints, I don't know how to convey this to you, but it is so valuable to get to know Him through all the other stuff. And I'm going to share a testimony about this, how developing a relationship with Jesus over the years, you can withdraw out of your bank account, withdraw out of your hard drive in the Spirit to get you through things. Now, the next thing I want to say to you is faith is a gift. The human being, apart from God, it's impossible to have biblical faith. You cannot require faith out of the Adamic natural man. That's why it's a gift. How do we know that? Let's go to Romans 12 real quick. And in Romans 12, verse 3, it says, For through the grace, Paul said, given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to sound judgment as, please read this with me, God has allotted to, to whom? You know what I love about this? When God gives you something, it's the whole package and he's not less or many or some. You've got exactly the measure you need to walk the walk you need to walk. And you are never allowed to compare or to compete your faith with someone else's. Because you know what you just said to the Lord? Well, you didn't really know what you were doing. The faith He's given us is enough to do everything He's called us to do. So we ought to rejoice. It's, he's allotted a measure of faith to each one of us. And man, you know what that means? Quit competing with others' giftings. Quit competing with others' faith. And enjoy the one you have. Be grateful for it. And then celebrate someone else's. You celebrate it. You don't compare it. Let's go to the next one. Romans 10, 17. 
This one we know very clearly. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the Word of God. Please let me clear something up. This will be a part of what I'm teaching today. There's two Greek words for the word word. One of them is what? Logos. L-O-G-O-S. Logos. Logos. And this really is Logos. The written Word of God, it's already been given to us. And so you have all you need written here that you need for your walk. But the next Greek word is R-H-E-M-A. I want to be careful. There's a teaching out there. There's an attitude out there. I'm not going to name it. But they take this verse and say that this is all you need and you never hear from God. Wait a minute. So faith comes from and hearing by the word of Christ. They say the only way you can hear from God is through these written words. God will never speak to you. Well, rhema means spoken. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the spoken word of Christ. I don't know about you, but when I get into my intimate time or I get into my quiet time with the Lord, is it a monologue or a dialogue? Thank you. Let's try that again. Is it a monologue or a dialogue? I don't know about you, but I hope when I get with my Jesus, we can have a conversation. Oh, God. Yes, son. It's not like, and and there's not, please, I'm going to say this explicitly. There's nothing wrong with this, but there's more relationally. Do you get that? Did you hear me? There's a relational component that he's a person. And we get to enjoy him. We get to go on trips. I don't want to squirrel you all out. But I'll tell you, you love to be with people on earth that you really like. And what do you want to do when you really are after someone? Do you stay away from them or spend time with them? Spend time with them. I may as well throw this in here. It's, it's faith versus trust. Now's the time. I want to take, for example, marriage. When two people are coming together and they're going to get married, oh my gosh, they breathe each other's airspace. They can't wait on the phone all the time, want to be with each other all the time. And they get married by faith. Now watch, listen to me. They don't get married in trust. Oh, they may think they're trusting, but do you really know the person that you're going to marry fully when you marry them? No, I see many of the heads do one, especially married ones. Who is this? When you wake up after the first week next, who in the world is this? Because you thought you knew them, but then you really get to. And then it starts, the more you get to know them, the more you get to be with them, the more you get to walk with them and you face circumstances that can be either negative or positive, then you can get to trust them more, hopefully. Because I'm sorry. There's times that, I'll just speak rough. Elaine may, I don't trust you there, honey. She didn't say I don't love you. I don't trust you in that area. I think that's as far as we'll go with that. 
Do you see what the difference is between faith and trust? It takes developing, spending, cultivating time with a person. Now, quickly, let's go to the definitions of faith and trust. The first one, definition of faith. And by the way, I use, anybody ever heard of the Noah Webster Dictionary, 1828? It's amazing. If you're really into wordology, you're into semantic, you're into really good definitions, the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary is amazing. Because it's not only a dictionary, but with it he puts a verse that goes with it. So it's an amazing resource. So here's Noah Webster, 1828. Definition of faith, the ascent of the mind or understanding of the truth of what God has revealed, not man. Simple belief of the scriptures, of the being and the perfections of God, and the existence, character, and the doctrines of Jesus Christ. That's true faith. None of this is a lie. It's all truth. We don't know it all, but it's all truth, because God is not a man that he should. So he would never give us a letter that has lying in it. But the more we read it, the more we see who this God is. He's a person, just not principles. Now watch, let's shift quickly to the definition of trust. I don't even know, CJ, I really didn't push the button on my clock or phone. That's all right, here we go. A reliance or resting of the mind of the integrity, veracity, justice, fellowship, or other sound principle of whom? Please listen to me. Another person. Can you insert here as a believer the word Jesus? The name Jesus? I trust Him. You see, trust is just not about truth or principles. It's about a person with integrity and character. Watch, because he proved himself or and or over again. Now, I'm about to do something. You all, some of you, if you had a long night last night, you may want to take a snooze. I'm going to do a clip of the movie. It's the 1959 Ben-Hur. We're going to have two clips. The first one, Ben-Hur is, please hear me, it's a novel. It's not the scripture explicitly. It's a novel about a man by the name of Ben-Hur that gets to meet Jesus. There's many great things to take on in the movie. This is a clip of, here's what I titled, Who is this man? But listen, Ben-Hur was accused of trying to murder the proconsul of Rome. And so his best friend, who's a Roman, sends him to the galleys of the ships to die, to row boats till he dies. And he sent his mother and daughter to the dungeons. And down there they acquired leprosy, a death sentence back then. And so he's in chains and he's being taken to the galleys to the row in the the Roman army. And so it'll be Ben-Hur. And watch the clip now, and I'll explain in a minute. Oh, 
Well, since I was 15 years old, I've seen that 35 times. I still get teared up. You know, you're not here to critique a movie, the music, what it was about it. But here's what I want to tell you. In this movie, you never see the face of Jesus, but you see the face of those who see the face of Jesus. What was I trying to accomplish there? Did you notice two men that never saw Jesus or knew him? Something happened when they look into the Son of Man's eyes. Yes, he was the Son of God, but he was a man. And there was something about his look, his countenance. Not, Psalm 50 said he wasn't a handsome man, but there was something that attracted. And I don't know if you know this, but when Ben-Hur saw him, did something happen in his life? Did you know? didn't say a word. He was on his way to the galleys to die. But something happened when he looked into Jesus' eyes. And then the Roman soldier, he was about to whoop him, wasn't he? And he took and he went, and he couldn't. Not saying that Jesus didn't get scourged. But at this moment, he lifted his hand to scourge him. And I love the way he looks back two and three times. It's like, who is this man? I can't even strike him. But here's the other thing. Please hear my heart. When Ben-Hur was being led away, did you see the countenance on his face? What did he have? Hope. He had destiny. He had purpose. Going to the galleys and these ships. And through the movie, he gets delivered supernaturally by not dying, being on the ship for five years. Nobody lives in these down there, uh, rowing the boat and the ships for five years. And then it goes on, and I'm going to show you one more clip towards the end. And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm going to be truthful. When he looked into the eyes of Jesus, he saw the very one who created him. And saints, C.J. brought this up Wednesday, on what John Piper said about heaven. How many of you know there's an amazing reward and great things in the real heaven? Anybody? Anybody looking forward to it? I mean, no more sickness, no more dying, no more crying. Everything's going to be great. But Piper said, what would it be like if all that was in place but no Jesus? Would you still want to go? You see, when I die... When you die, the first thing that's going to happen is the saints. As saints, what's the first thing that's going to happen? Anybody? We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to... And I don't know about you, but everything I struggle with in my life, daily, temptations, and I struggle with me. I can't run away from me. I'm with me all the time. The one break I get is when I'm sleeping. And even then, it could be World War III. And it's like, I'm so weary about the things I deal with. But when we see Him face to face, we're going to look into the eyes of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to look in the eyes of, of freedom. Freedom from me. Freedom from you. Break loose. Anybody looking forward to that? Woo! I mean, this is real. I'm not trying to pump you up. 
I'm speaking the truth with you in love. And so we have faith that's imputed, but as as you develop your walk with Jesus, it turns from faith to trust. It's amazing trust. Now, let's look at a couple verses, and then we'll be closing. Go to Psalm 56, 3 and 4. I had someone come up to me years ago, and she and that same woman tried to get on another woman that said, where is your faith? Because the woman was shaking over something happened in her life. And I had certain, I have certain fears in my life. Certain things can elicit a fear in me. And it makes me feel condemned. So if any of you are out there saying, I can't believe what a weak brother he is. Even a pastor, he's got fear. Let me sit with you for a few minutes. And let me see where you're not perfect in your life. I'm not excusing it. I hate fear. But it's there. But look at the verse. When I am what? It didn't say if. (laughs) When I am afraid, I will do what? In you. We're talking about the Lord. Yes, these are scriptures. I put my trust in the Word, and I'm going to show you where that came out. But I'm telling you, it's because this is about a person. I will put my trust in you because you've been so faithful over the years. The next one, Psalm 91, 1 through 5. I didn't go to verse 4, but that's okay. Let's do Psalm 91, 1 through 5. Here we go. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, what? My fortress, my God in. You out there? Anybody snoozing? Come on. In whom I trust. Keep going. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. When I first went into the pastoral ministry, I was dealing with something in my office, and my pastor called from North Carolina. He said, Brother, you dealing with something? I went, Hello. That was a kingdom phone call. It was in the kingdom internet. And he sent me, and he said, Brother. And then he shared with me about a bird. It has wings, but it also has something else. Anybody know? particularly in a dove, it has pinions, which are the softest feathers on a mama bird. And guess who nuzzles up in there? Anybody? The chicks. They come up here. because God didn't create them with these rough feathers and things that would sting them. The little bird comes up and they nuzzle there. I'm sorry, I may be a man. But I love to nestle in Papa's opinions. That's real, saints. He takes us when all this stuff is going. You will not be afraid of the terror by what? Or of the air of the flies. How many of you may have a difficulty at night more than in the day? I know no one's putting their hand up. They're just doing this. I'm going to tell you something. Do you ever realize you could be full of faith, but about three in the morning when something attacks you and it's all dark and no one else is up, it's like, ooh. Chapter two of my book is called The Dark Night of the Soul. The dark what? And I went through two and a half, three years of that 
time where there was, I've known Jesus for years. I love Him. But my left brain, my intellect got in the way. Anybody have a little bit of trouble with some of the Old Testament stories? What happened? What God did here? Do this, do that. My mind, because I'm into theology and I want to get it accurate, I started looking at things and I'm going, Papa, why'd you do that? And you know what happened? I started pulling him down and me up. And I'm telling you, I had no idea where I was going. It was foolish because I accused God, which is the same thing Satan did in the garden. Oh, surely he lied. Surely you will not die. Satan calls God a liar. And so I started going into this place. I'm teaching, preaching, laying hands on people for two and a half years. See, the gifts of God are irrevocable. The gifts of God are for others, not yourself, and it's to glorify God. So your gifts can be operate, you still be in a mess a little bit with Papa. But you know the strong part of this? He said, I'll never fail you or forsake you. But he put his hand over me as a shadow. He wouldn't let me have all the little goodies between he and I. He went, son, watch. Did I know him? Was I saved? I'm going to do this. But guess what? I'm in sanctification. I wasn't a finished product. And he revealed things in me. I had no clue were in there. Did you ever find out something about yourself and say, where in the world did that come from? That must have been someone else that stuck it in me. No, it's you. And Papa loves you so much, he wants you to be like Jesus. So what does he do? He's got to get in there and do a little surgery. And he surfaced that stuff in me. And my final testimony is this, on this side. One night I was laying there in bed. I was going through all this. I woke up. And I had a vision of hell. I hope I don't stumble anybody. I'll just tell you this. Um, I thought about hell. Maybe that'll help you. And honestly, I was in there, and because of the way I felt about the Lord and what I accused him of, I thought I was going to hell. That is not my theology, but I'm telling you, my soul, my mind, will, and emotion got involved, and it was World War III. Am I really saved? Do I really? I mean, I, I went through this. No one, Elaine couldn't help me. It was the middle of the night. And finally, guess what I did? He started bringing up scriptures in me that I've known for years in my hard drive in the Spirit so that I could go to the truth. And the truth will do what? And all of a sudden, I went to Acts 17, 26. In Him, I lived and move and have my beating and my heartbeat. I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die and go to hell. But in Him, I live and move. Oh my gosh, life started coming back in. I mean, it was like hope! Because I'm going to tell you something. If you think you're going to hell, it's hopeless. It will tear you up. And he started, he started more and more. And guess what? I got delivered. A brother came down from North Carolina ministered to me in Psalm 30. It still was post-op recovery. was a while in the Spirit. But I just started breathing more and more the oxygen of the Lord as He delivered and set me freer than I've ever been. But let me tell you something. That's why the title of the book 
is spiritual schizophrenia. On the one hand, you can know that you know. And on the other hand, where in the world is this other yuck coming from? For the rest of our lives, we will walk this dichotomy. But it gets better and better. And because why? Because I got to know Him. The Jesus that I knew showed up that night. And He personally delivered me. Ben-Hur went on for three years. Went through all kinds of things where he got set free. His mother and sister had leprosy. And finally he heard about this man that was on trial that was going to be murdered. Or his trial was going to... And he didn't know who they were talking about. His future wife came and was bringing his mother and daughter to Jesus to be healed and delivered. And so... Here they come up the steps. This is shorter, but I want you to see this, and then I'll close. pretty obvious when he looked after three years he looked in the eyes of Jesus and he went I know this man I've recognized him and he follows Jesus to the cross and Ben-Hur had such vengeance and hate in his heart towards his best friend Marcella that he couldn't wait to kill him but Jesus at the cross said forgive him Father for they know not what they do. And Ben-Hur in the movie says, it was like Jesus took the sword out of his hand and set him free because with Jesus forgive, Ben-Hur was then able to forgive Marcella. 
He saw him. He looked at him. He had hope. And my precious saints, I'm telling you, I don't know how to encourage you to continue to pursue, to get to know him and pursue him in a relationship. We go to all kind of friends and we go to all kind of places to get comfort and solace and wisdom. But there's none that's greater than in our precious Jesus. I close with this verse. It is so powerful. It should. We all know it. You ready? Trust in the Lord with... And do not lean on your left brain. And acknowledge Him, the person. And He will make your paths. Do not be what? Wise in your own eyes. Reverence and fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. What is the result? What a prescription. If I was a doctor and I asked you to come up here... What I can do is this. You want a prescription? Are you hurting emotionally, physically? Jesus. And I just don't mean the name. I mean the purpose. Come on up here, worship team. I'm going to give you all a moment. Maybe you want to come up and meet him in a new way. Never met him before. Maybe you want to recommend that you come up in a fresh way. As the worship team, and then I'll come pray for us at the end. Everybody stand up.